what has been really the biggest sort of challenge for myself as a writer is to take those sort of like inkling of inspirations really seriously. And if I ignore it, usually the pain just comes faster and I feel it sort of over and over again until I somehow either document it or take the picture or make the recording or write down the note or whatever it is that's going to sort of help it. Hello and welcome to another episode of Your Magic. In this one, I'm hanging out with novelist Caitlin Greenidge, author of We Love You, Charlie Freeman and Liberty, winner of a Whitting Award and a Guggenheim Fellowship. We're going to talk about trusting our irrational impulses, big Scorpio energy, and the tarot's predictions for her 2022. After that, we'll hear from Marlene Vargas and Alex Naranjo, owners of the completely crucial House of Intuition occult stores with a bath spell to inspire your creativity. Stay with us. Listeners, I've been on a bath bender. I don't know what it's about. Well, I sort of do. A few months ago, I learned that my chiropractor is also an energy healing witch, score. And as someone who occasionally needs their neck cracked and their auras cleansed, I've had a few visits lately. And she always sends me home with a bag of Epsom salts and a little pouch of herbs. And it has been so freaking nice to fill up the tub with scaldingly hot water. Yes, I know it's not great for you to have it so hot, but listeners, I have so few vices left. Do not kink shame my hot baths, okay? So I get it all toasty and I dump the salt in and fling the herbal pouch in and watch the cloth turn brown as the herb juices sort of leak into the tub. And I feel like I'm climbing into a giant mug of tea or like sliding into a potion. And then once I'm in, I never want to get out. I'll just lie there, knocking the hot water back on with my foot, playing words with friends on my phone, or falling into an occult K-hole on Twitter, or just listening to a Dharma talk on an app. When I'm in the tub, I'm like, why don't I do this all the time? Why does the task of filling a bathtub usually feel impossible? I'll look at the tub, I'll notice the stray hair stuck to the sides of the tub, and I'll be like, gross, forget it. As if cleaning up a couple of hairs that are definitely my own is way too rough of a task to take on. The thought of taking a bath is now so exhausting, it makes me need, like, the relaxing sensation of a bath. I cannot do it. I don't want a bath. I want to want to take baths because they're so witchy and sensual and Piscean and, like, romantic but solo. They're the ultimate me-time activity that deeply chill, earthy people indulge. And I want to step into that fantasy about myself. But, uh, there's hair in the tub. And, like, what about when I'm done with my bath? Do I, like, take a shower? How do I wash my hair? Why is a bath so complicated? Forget it. I think the bath treats from my Cairo witch helped me push past my resistance. And then it helped again. And I was like, maybe baths are awesome. Doing it once helped me do it a second time, helped me do it a third. And after three baths, baths are just your thing. You're one of those bath people now. Welcome to the new you. I'm sharing this because I know I'm like every one of you and every one of you are like me. We all want to do these nice, cozy self-care things for ourselves. And sometimes we do, but often it just seems impossible. Well, people, I've been to the other side and I'm here to report that it's actually not too hard to get out of our own way and really do whatever cute, stupid thing we feel like doing. Whatever that might be for you, a bath, a candle spell, some meditation, working on art, it's not as far away as you think it is. The process of rousing yourself is not so arduous and doing it one time creates momentum so that your next effort is a little bit easier and so on. I swear, give it a try or don't, it's your life. 
sometimes not doing the magic is the magic, right? So whatever you do, I'll be wishing you well from the aquatic coziness of my new bath lifestyle. Here's Caitlin Greenidge. Hi, Caitlin Greenidge. Thank you so much for being on your magic this afternoon. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm really happy to be here. I'm so psyched to talk to you because we're both from um, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. We both we both escaped the Boston area. Or, or you're you're still in Massachusetts. I came back for the pandemic, and I'm still here as like stuff continues on. But yes, escaped for about 20 years. What was it like for you growing up on the like? spiritual mystical tip did you were you raised in like a religious family or a spiritual family raised in a in a not very religious family so my mom was raised by nuns she went to a a boarding school at a really young age at about five or six basically because my family was living in the south end of boston at the time and my grandparents were really worried about boston public schools at that time so they got her into this boarding school in in Arlington that was run by these Episcopalian nuns and the whole family converted to Episcopalianism. And my mom was pretty deep into it, I would say. But, you know, like a a New England version of Episcopalianism. So, and, and at a time in the church when they were sort of, I guess, becoming more open and like, and, and in a version of the church that was always sort of very social justice organizer oriented, uh, which is a long way to way around to say that my mom is, she knows her Bible back and forth. She loves the ceremony of sort of all religious ceremonies, but she's sort of, she does not truck with like the patriarchy of religion and is, was always like, even as we were young kids, like very vocal about pointing out when that stuff was happening. And so she has a very conflicted thing with, with religion, but I think it's probably the good things about it that I've sort of inherited has been like, and observers' appreciation for people's ways of finding like religion and spirituality with a tendency to always sort of be a little bit skeptical of each of those routes and sort of like where they may be upholding certain kind of hierarchies or damaging ways of thinking. I remember finally sort of making closer friends with people who were raised either Baptist or evangelical and reading their bibles that have been like translated into like american speak and being like this is how you guys worship <laughs> like i would much rather read like a beautiful like king james like you know like thine eyes or whatever than like you know whatever like hey kids here's jesus kind of thing the way that some of that stuff is translated it always it like blew my mind as a as a person in college when i would meet people who came from those traditions and uh-huh. being like wow okay this is like a completely other way to think about um spiritual forces in your life. Do you have a spiritual, any sort of like spiritual practice or relationship with ritual now in your adult life? You know, I like reading about different people's versions of that, but I've never like wholeheartedly taken that, taken any of those into my own life or like made a regular practice of anything. Mm-hmm. But what about as a writer, do you have rituals as a writer or superstitions as a writer? I'll have superstitions around a certain project or a certain piece of work. You know, like what has been really the biggest sort of challenge for myself as a writer is to take those sort of like inkling of inspirations really seriously. So like to make sure that I have it. And all the times that I have ignored those instincts, I've always really regretted it on a, like an artistic level of like I should have saved or documented or done this thing that my somehow unconscious mind was telling me was really important to 
figure out what the next step was going to be in this project. Wow. Can I ask what the picture was of? Or is, does that feel superstitious to to reveal? Oh, it was of like a historic, it was like I was walking through Harvard Square, actually. And uh, all throughout Harvard Square, if um, your listeners have never been, it's kind of like a place where there's always these like plaques around with like different historical facts about the place. And so I was taking a picture of one of those plaques that I don't even know. I don't even think the the fact itself is going to be important. It just was like something was somehow connecting. <laughs> so yeah. this hearing this like this this tiny little battle that's going on between like your unconscious and your like quote logical mind makes me want to ask you like where do you feel like your creative impulse comes from? Your storytelling impulse, your your writerliness. I experience it as as both those things at once. There's like a a deep sort of like instinctual thing that happens where it's like a, a anything it's a flash of color it's like a piece of a song whatever and usually that comes through repetition like it's like I have to listen to this thing over and over again or I have to keep looking at this thing it's like a very instinctual it's almost like a like it literally feel like we were talking a little bit earlier about like religion and stuff it literally feels like like a like a lightning bolt like right to the middle like it feels like this part is being activated in my head uh, listener she's pointing she's pointing interestingly close to the third eye yes exactly that's exactly what it is <laughs> yeah it's like it literally feels like a like a electrical current is coming right here um when i see something that like pings off of it and then there's the rational part of my mind that is sort of like, why am I having this reaction to it? Is this even going to go anywhere? It probably means nothing. Talk yourself out of it kind of thing. And if I ignore it, usually the, the, it just comes faster. The pang just, the pang just comes faster. And I feel it sort of over and over again until I somehow either document it or take the picture or make the recording or write down the note or whatever it is that's going to sort of help it. That's like really fascinating that you're like a lot of what you're saying is is recognizable, but you're you're um that it's so physical for you is so cool, really. Like, what do you think that is? Like, what do you think that lightning is? I think it's probably my mind making a bunch of connections to whatever it is that I'm interacting with that are happening much more quickly than my conscious mind is thinking. And so I think probably all those connections just probably feel like that because they're happening all really, literally in a blink of an eye, they're sort of happening all at once. All these sort of different thoughts and feelings are coalescing into something that I'm not even really sure what the conclusion is. I just know like a conclusion happened in that moment. Do you ever feel like when you're when you've been in the midst of one of your novels, do you ever feel like there's synchronicity or once you've once you've embarked on that project, are there like signs or weird coincidences that sort of like affirm that you're like on the right path? Yeah, for sure. 100%. Like it's, it's oftentimes I'll meet people who have some sort of tangential connection with a big part or a large part of the project. I wrote this, not my first novel is this book called We Love You, Charlie Freeman, which is about a black family from Boston and they moved to a nearly all white town in the Western part of Massachusetts. And they moved there to take part in an experiment where they're teaching sign language to a chimpanzee. And so when I, it took me a long time to write that book, but when I was writing it, I would always sort of meet people. And even before I would tell them what the book was about, sometimes it would come up that they had somehow, they, even though that, that experience sounds like very made up and like very particular, I would meet people who had some sort of similar or like 
rhyming experience to that. Like I remember I was, this was like many years ago, like probably like 10 or 10 or 11 years ago, I was flirting with some guy about just in general. And he mentioned in passing that he grew up in this town where a, I think it was like a, a monkey had like escaped from a research facility and it was on Halloween when he was like six or seven. And he has this very, he had this very vivid memory as a child of trick-or-treating and seeing this monkey get elect- electrocuted in their town. And they never spoke about it again. His, like everybody repressed it in the town. They never spoke about it again. And I had never, I didn't tell him what this book was about or anything like that. And that just sort of came out naturally in conversation. And so that's a very extreme <laughs> example. That's wild, that poor monkey. Oh my God. And you're poor. I know, it's a really, and my this poor guy, yeah, it was a very, very wild example. But, you know, and then it, it just weird coincidences with people who I would not expect to share certain coincidences with a project will um, come up. I think it's probably true for all people whose work is creating something or being creative in some sort of way. I think the literal sort of like psychic and imaginative energy that you put into that has to go somewhere and it and it is responding to and attracting certain energies from other people and sometimes the the energies are very obvious like that very sort of crazy story that this (laughs) guy told me when we were talking and other times the energies that it is attracting are are much more subtle and you don't recognize it until sort of like years after the fact where you realize oh when I was working on this section of a book I had this friendship that was very similar to it and looking back I can see immediately how this was like a one-to-one correlation but at the time this was just another like very good friend in my life or a thing that happened in my life or whatever kind of thing you do have a a known interest in astrology i do yes yes yeah what is your sign i'm a scorpio oh right on happy birthday thank you of course you told me the story of the monkey to illustrate (laughs) your point come on You know, I try to keep the macabre side a little bit under wraps, but it's nice when people understand it. It's so sad to me that Scorpio, it seems like it's a it's a learned thing of Scorpios of like, we've got to tone it down. We've got to tone yeah. the macabre down a little bit. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And what sign is your child? Uh, my daughter is a Leo. Oh, I love Leos also. What do you think about, uh, I don't know, the Leo Scorpio energy? together well my um rising is leo and my older sister is a leo and there's a lot of leos in my family my niece is a leo as well so i i know that energy very well and and in sometimes there's i'm able to tap into that as well it's so weird what you're saying about like all the leos in your family i feel like there's like astrological like genetics or something like I, it's such a I don't know I mean we don't know how to prove astrology or disprove it anyway so why not right. just throw another weird thing on, on oh yeah top, of course you know? yes <laughs> but I feel like there is weird astrological legacies within families like there, there's so much Scorpio and my son was almost a Scorpio I stopped <laughs> the doctor <laughs> on the day the last day of Libra because he was he he was a um he was breached so I had to have a C-section and they kept delaying it until finally it was the last day of Libra and they're like come back tomorrow mm-hmm. when everything moves into Scorpio and there's a eclipse and I was like I don't want to mm-hmm. die I I, <laughs> I would just rather you get him right now you know so but he was almost the most massive Scorpio of, of all with like four planets but now, oh but now he's got this big Libra stellium so it's just probably going to be a different 
suite of problems, you know? Yeah, it's super interesting. So one of my sisters is a Leo. The other one is a Gemini. And I am a Scorpio sun, Leo, um, rising Gemini moon. Um, and so I think that's probably the only way that though all of us having those three signs have been able to be so as close as we are, because otherwise I feel like we would all be at each other's throats. But I think all of our different sort of planets are mixing. And then most of my planets are in the fourth house, which is also how I'm able to, my mom is a cancer to the absolute T. She's like a super cancer. Um, and that is, I'm pretty sure how we are able to connect very well. Well, I mean, I would love to pick some cards for you. Yeah, for sure. What would you like to know? I'm using this Aleister Crowley Toth deck that I've been work, working with. Not this exact one, but I've used this deck since I was like 15. So I, I know it pretty well. Uh, nice. So I just had a birthday on Saturday and I'm super, this is maybe too broad of a question, but I'm just very curious about what the next 12 months will bring because it feels like a real big time of transition but there's also really great things happening in my life. So I'm just sort of really curious about how this all will span out over the next year. Yes. So um, here's what I'll do. I just did something like this for a friend when she had a birthday um, in the Leo season, but I'm just going to do it season by season, not astrological season, but like the four seasons. Okay. That's perfect. So I'm going to pick three cards for what it looks like for you in the winter. Um, and of course, you know, this is always tricky to do a large reading because so many energies impact even a single day, let alone, you know, three, three or so months. But we'll see, like, what are the dominant energies, the dominant movements? So I'll do three for winter, three for spring, three for summer, and then into like next, next fall. Okay, truly, it looks like a really big year for you, like something big is coming through for you this year. And I say that because you've got the universe card in this year. And when the universe card comes up, it's it's such a giant, like everything is in its rightful place, stepping into your destiny kind of a feeling. In true Scorpio fashion, you have like really high highs and then you have some sort of like jagged, sharp edges in here also. But the high highs are much more um, dominant in this reading. So I picked a card to be like, what is the, what's your, what's the card for your, for your year this year? Right. And it is the fool. What a great card for a year. So I feel like <laughs> this is a great year for you to take risks, a great year for you to say yes, to like push your comfort zone, like move into new, new realms and new, new areas that you just haven't either worked in or lived in, or it's encompassing of all the different areas of life, but coming up for you for this winter, the three cards you have. The first one is this nine of wands, which is called strength in this deck. And it's moon and Sagittarius, which is like really fun and creative, super optimistic, idealistic. Like if you're sort of pushing for something this winter, it looks like uh, or so, sort of having to um, advocate for something or even just sort of muscle through something. It looks like you've got the resilience in the inner resources to really do that. Your next card is the two of cups which is this love card. It's a really beautiful card of like loving exchange. It's Venus in Cancer, which makes me think of your mom being a Cancer. But of course, mm -hmm. you know, this could be about like a loving exchange sometime this winter. It could be reconnecting with somebody that you love deeply, leveling up with someone that you love deeply. Because 
it's following this strength card, which is sort of talking about this movement. You know, this movement could be around a relationship where you're like that you're trying to make work, you know, or feeling some inspiration towards. And it could also be about, you know, if it's about more of a project or something, it could just be about a project that's very close to your heart that you you truly have love for. Coming up at the end, though, you do have this uh, Nine of Swords card that's called Cruelty in this deck. It's Mars and Gemini. And, you know, in the Rider Waite deck and all of those decks, this is the Nightmare card, the person sitting up in bed holding their head. I just read this more than Cruelty, per se, as an anxiety card, you know, because I feel like that's what the, mm-hmm. that Nightmare, you know, to me, it really speaks as anxiety. This is my, you should know, this is my continual card that I, I always pull. I've been pulling this card since I was like, since I started doing like 14 years old. This is my card. Are you kidding? You started young too with the tarot. (laughs) All right. Well, sorry. (laughs) That's in every reading. Again, another writer who does tarot is um, Alexander Chi. And when when I talked to him about this card and was sort of like, it always pulls and it always makes me feel really terrible and like inadequate. He was like, he tried to explain it as you are sort of explaining it, how much of it is actually about sort of internalized anxiety and those sorts of fears. And, and it is just sort of like a part of yourself that will show up in every reading because it's a part of your outlook in the world kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, as a Scorpio, honestly, as a Scorpio son, I can't imagine you being able to escape this sort of vibe on some level, you know, it's definitely not your dominant energy. So that's rad. But like, you guys are so in touch with like, the depths of suffering and that the human beings can um, put each other through and endure on a personal level. And that's in your work, too. And so it's sort of like, yeah, you're going to have anxiety. Like, how can you not see so much? And have that not resonate uh, on a physical level with you. So, you know, for some reason that's coming up in regards to this, this winter in regards to whatever this sort of um, strength and love thing is. And it could be that like the stakes are high, could be that the stakes are high. And so that's why it makes you feel shaky like that, that you can see things going wrong. It could be that there's something that doesn't go the way you hope with this. I wouldn't say that it's um, strong enough to kind of like you know, uh, trash the, you know, it's not going to delete whatever this is, be it a relationship or a project. It's something just to be sort of overcome and worked within, but it just looks yeah. like it's a bit of a mixed bag. But I I mean, I think that's also could be one of the reasons why the strength card is in the forefront of this. And so important is like, yes, there is this anxiety, you know, swords, as you know, mental, you know, it's our mental processes. Um, and when it's their hard ones, it's, you know, our mental processes working against us. But you have this like light inside of you with this that's being represented by this that's enough to sort of like pull you through and pull you through it shall because come springtime, the, the, um, that card has uh, turned into fortune. You know, if there is a bump, you know, in whatever this is, um, again, with relationship project, relationship with the project, if there is a bump, you can definitely expect it to be resolved with this beautiful fortune card here. However, you also have the devil. Such a complicated card. So resolved at a price? Maybe as you know, as long as the price is, uh, I don't know, in your favor on some level, it doesn't look bad. I mean, on the other side is this princess of discs here. And she's great. You know, she's just like, I've been through it. And I've got a story to tell, you know, so it's like, yes, you're you're definitely in a real process with all of this, you know, I mean, sometimes the devil card comes up when we have to do something for ourselves, that's very strong, that asserts ourselves and asserts our power and other people are like, you know, but it's like, 
the right thing to do. It's like Capricorn. It's like, I'm actually the boss. And you might have to assert your bo- your bossdom. The other thing that it could be is that it could be like, you have to make a sort of compromise that feels like I'm making a little bit of a deal with the devil here, you know? And that could be, you know, if it's a, a work-related thing, like I think this guy comes up a lot in work-related things when we're like, oh, this is a rad opportunity for me. Oh, I don't love that company. I don't love that person. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, in either scenario, I feel like it's uncomfortable for sure. But I don't, I think that, the you know, the fortune card and this princess of discs being like, okay, we're doing this. Like she's pregnant. She's about to give birth, you know? So I think it outweighs the devil, but there will be discomfort probably to process with the devil. But whatever that leads you into the universe in this summer. So it's like, wow, I just really see like, this is it happening, whatever the it is, you know, like this, these energies that are sort of growing or, you know, it's hard not to read it as one continuous story, but you know, this could be, that could be about lots of different things. You know, you could have a whole new thing sort of come through for you with the universe. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a lot of things with that full card being for your year, but the universe to me is just like, yes, all is as it should be. You are right where you're meant to be. You know, even though you have, there's been cruelty, there's been the devil, whatever. Here you are. It's really great. Knight of Wands, so much energy, so much motion. This is fire upon fire. Um, you know, it might feel a little bit like, whoa, can I handle all this? Can I balance all this? Is too much happening too fast? Um, I would say no with this full card. I would say it's all supposed to be. But that mm-hmm. said, with so much energy, something could fall by the wayside or like end up kind of petering out. You've got the mm-hmm. ruin card here, the 10 of swords, right? So again, it's like, I feel like this is, we're seeing this all through your reading. You've got these really powerful, beautiful, strong cards. And then you have these little cards that are difficult. So it's like, there's something to be managed. It feels like with every step, although it feels like the harder parts are no match for these big, beautiful major arcana cards that you have here. Right. So, you know, the 10 of swords card, it's like, something has gone, something that you kind of probably knew was going to go bad, went bad. Right. Um, if you do want to see it as a continuation of your, of the potential anxiety or an evolution of this nine, it's like, is there something that you're like, Oh, that could happen, you know? And it's keeping me up a little at night. You might find that it happens. There's, you know, a strange relief with the 10 of swords because it's happened. And now you can just deal with it you know whether it's Mm -hmm. something falling through that you were relying on it's like okay here you are in the after effects of it and and everything's okay life goes on you know and again you've got this universe card so it's like something big is coming through for you what's the weird trade-off like does something have to go away in order for this to to happen is there like a compromise that feels like okay there this compromise actually has some consequence but you can manage it. You can you can work with it. On the other side of the universe and the Ten of Swords, bringing us back into the fall. So like this time next year, Queen of Swords, she's just, you're going to learn a lot this year. You're going to learn a lot. And I mean, as somebody who already already is so worldly and know how the, how the world works, it's going to be, you're just going to be able to see this at a different level. She's on this cloud. So she really sees the big picture. She has the bird's eye view. And I think after going through these massive ups and, 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 you know, noteworthy downs that you're going to go through this year, you're going to have just a larger, everything's happening at a larger scale. Like your life is getting scaled up and you're seeing the bigger picture. Also, like, you're not going to be afraid to like, you're not here to make, make friends, Caitlin. You're not here to make friends. Okay. You're here to like, I don't know, you're here to do some other stuff. And 
And I, I think you're, that's not going to feel bad. Like you might have some concerns mm-hmm. about that or worries about that. But by the end of the year, you're like, oh, this is just, some of this is just business. Some of this is just being a boss. Some of this is like having to like call it how I see mm-hmm. it. And like, you know, this lady's not afraid to do that up here. She's got her sword out. She she chopped off a head there. She's like, that head had to go. <laughs> there's another <laughs> there's another read on her that that's a mask she was wearing. And that she, then that this card is also about get taking away falsities and masks that we have to wear. So this could also be, you know, another a year where you just get a little closer to just being able to show up more completely as yourself. And so, you know, next to her is the strife card. Um, So, you know, again, this is just like we're seeing just like every every poll has just like one little bit of a rough card here. This strife card, which is about conflict, it could be about frustrated energies. It's flanked by the Queen of Swords and then this great power card, Sun and Capricorn. So, you know, she is such a boss. And I also really read the Sun and Capricorn card as about like bosshood, you know? So I don't know. I feel like a lot of this is about um, coming into like another degree of power, whether it's in relationships, in the world, in your professional life, maybe a mixture of all of it. And with that, you know, comes a little bit of like having to sort out the discomfort or, you know, maybe even other people's discomfort as you assert new roles. I look at this year and I see it's, you know, it, it grow, you know, from the strength card to the fortune card to the universe it's such an ascension and the universe is like the the ultimate. And then it leaves you off on a sort of smaller, it's almost like you're like, okay, now I'm at the beginning of a new cycle that's happening on a higher level. You've, am- you've amassed mm-hmm. a bit of power. You've accrued a, a real foundation to build on because of, because of this stuff um, that's contained within the universe card. And yeah, you know, it's like more power, more problems yeah. a little bit, you know, with, with this, but the, but the strife card I feel like is so, what I like is like these these problematic cards that you have are minor arcana and your big powerful cards here, the, the, these big gorgeous sort of like magic lucky cards are major arcana with the the fool and fortune in the universe and the devil who I'm kind of thinking as your friend, honestly, like maybe a bit of a mixed bag of a friend, but, but I feel like, I feel like <laughs> the devil might be an ally for you, you know, whether um, it's about, you know, you asserting your own power mm-hmm. or having to learn how to negotiate power on a level that you haven't yet, you know, on a, on a new level. Does this sound like it makes sense? Yeah, this makes complete sense. It makes perfect sense because there's a lot of things in the coming year that sort of need to be decisively decided in both like personal and professional stuff. So all this stuff makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Hi, I'm Marlene. I'm one of the owners here to the House of Intuition. We are located in LA. We also have a store in Miami. We are also the authors of Your Intuition Led You Here. We created a creativity bath. So we're gonna start with one orange, uh, basil and rosemary, and you can use fresh or dry. An orange that you can cut in half and you will will use the juice of the orange to squeeze it into your uh, bath. A small pumpkin or yam as an offering to your spirits, guides, and guardian angels. A bowl of water and black onyx to remove self-doubt and fear. This is a crystal that will help to remove those those fears. Also, you want to express gratitude to your ancestors when you're doing all this. Next, we want to set up an altar and you want to have a glass of water. You want to have incense. 
and you want to place your orange candle onto your altar. Then you want to cleanse your body and your space to create it as a sacred space by burning any herb that is connected with you. So you can use sage, you can use palo santo, which is a wood, you can use eucalyptus. Again, anything that is connected with you that's going to cleanse and clear your space. After that, you're gonna go ahead and steep your herbs in your water. As you're doing this, I want you to pray and I want you to focus on the energy of creativity and stay in that state of mind. As you're stirring, I want you to make sure that you're staying clockwise, not away from you. I want you to bring it around you as you're being. Once it's done, you can turn off the flame, let it cool down, and then you're gonna place that into your glass bowl. You're gonna squeeze your orange juice in the, into your bowl. Again, stay in the state of prayer, asking for creativity. And once you're done with that, you're going to place it onto your altar. You're going to give it as an offering to your spirits, your angels, and your ancestors. After that, you're going to light your candles. Stay in the prayer. Make sure that you are focusing on creativity. When you feel that your bowl is infused with the energy from your guides and your ancestors, you're then going to remove it from your altar. And you're going to take that into the bath or into the shower with you. You can place your bowl then on the floor or next to the tub. You're gonna wash your body of your physical body of all dirt. And then once that is done, you're gonna place that bowl over your head and you're gonna say again a prayer to your angels, your ancestors, your God. And you're gonna ask them for the blessing of creativity. You're gonna thank them, then splash that over your head with a sweeping motion with your hands after you place the bowl back on the floor, you're gonna sweep it off of you with the visualization of it going into the universe for creativity. Once you're done, you're gonna let the water, no, do not use soap anymore. You're gonna go ahead and just use water, towel dry, stay in the state of mind of creativity and let your candle continue to burn. Now you can let your candle burn throughout the time, or if you are not comfortable with the candle burning, you can definitely turn it off and turn it back on. But again, I want you to stay in a state of ritual. Your crystal, you can place that in your pocket as you go out into the world, or even when you're at home, to remind you of the spell that you've casted. So that you stay in that state of mind for the entire time that the candle burns. Your ritual doesn't end when the candle is done burning. Okay, your ritual ends when you bring in the creativity that you want into your life. And if you need to do it again, then you can do it again. I never stop ritual. Ritual is a state of practice and a state of being. So the more you do it, the better you will get. Well, not that I need an excuse to hop into the bathtub these days, but thank you so much, Alex and Marlene, for this really beautiful spell that I am definitely going to do. And thank you for your shops where I've gotten many lovely crystals and candles and books. And speaking of books, if you want more epic and powerful spells like this one, check out Alex and Marlene's book, Your Intuition Led You Here, which tells the story of how they found their magic and gives you tips to get closer to your own. 
Thanks for tuning into Your Magic. Make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at This Is Your Magic. You can subscribe to us right here on Spotify. Do what you must to never miss an episode. You can email us at hello at thisisyourmagic.com. We would love to hear from you. And you can support us, plus get access to a bunch of bonus content at patreon.com backslash thisisyourmagic. This episode was produced and edited by Molly Elizalde, Tony Gannon, and Vera Blossom. We got production support from Angelica Chrysostomo. Our executive producers are Ben Cooley, myself, and Molly Elizalde. Our original theme music is by John Kimbrough. Thanks for listening.